It's another week and welcome to the Stedman History Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back. Really hope that you enjoyed last week's episode with the amazing George Mann from Ad Infinitum. Really, really great episode this week. I am joined by the absolutely amazing Alexandra Donachie and we are talking all about her life as a theatre maker, a performer, an actor, a writer, a director, all the hyphens connecting all of those amazing jobs together. We're going to talk about her time training at Central School of Speech and Drama. We're going to talk about her show that she made with her sister Kate called Three Years, One Week and a Lemon Drizzle. And also we're going to be talking about her show last year, When We Died, that played at the Vaults Festival just before the pandemic forced it to close and end. Talk about her show 28 and how it wasn't able to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year due to the pandemic. And we just chat about so much. It is really inspiring. It's an amazing conversation. Alex is one of the funniest people I know. And there are just moments where I was kind of trying to edit and I thought, no, everything needs to stay in because... Her storytelling, everything is incredible. There's a moment where I laugh so much. If I had like a glass of water, that would have gone everywhere. You'll hear about that. It's the twelfth night moment that we that we talk about. And I think you're really, really gonna enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to find out any more information about Alex, then you can follow Alex on Twitter at BAFTAface and you can find out all information about her upcoming shows and everything that she is up to right there. And if you want to find out about more about me, then you can go to at Alex Stedman or follow me on Instagram at History Creator. Enjoy the chat and I will see you very, very soon. I don't know why I said I'd see you soon. I won't be seeing you soon, but enjoy the chat. Here we go. There we go. We just started. Stop. We've there started. We Look at that. That's official now. That is oh, official. I'm, I'm nervous. It's, it's, this is exciting. Oh, it's We're so satisfying as well, isn't it? It's like a really shiny little, it's like an on-air button. It's big, oh, yeah. It always kind of worries me though, because like halfway through, I'm like, is it, is it going? Is it still is it, recording? Is it still recording? Are we still? I did one session once. I think it was like a, I don't know what it was. And it said, it, this voice came up and said, your session is being recorded. And that is the first and last time I've ever heard that on Zoom. And no one else seems to know what I'm talking about. I've never heard that. I was going to say, your face does not imply that you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it was the one, it was probably the first time I was ever in a recorded Zoom. And it was that voice as well. It was a bit robotic, but it was super like, hello. It was creepy, but, you know, in a, in a welcoming way. And it and but I, I've never heard, maybe they, maybe that was why they were like this is odd and will make people think they're being spied on. Yeah, there was like literally someone <laughs> in the conversation just like shopping at their throat, just going, "No, get rid of it, get rid of that, no, get rid of that." Not good. That woman is terrified. Like, <laughs> look at her face. Like they're watching in the little Zoom cameras right now, listening to everything and going, <laughs> "It's going well. It's going well so far. They're really they're really nailing this." Uh, but me looking under my laptop, going with them. So, Alex, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Um, Yeah, so I'm Alex, great name choice. Um, I am Alexandra Donachie, officially, um, and I am an an actor by trade. Um, And for years, I used to say I was a bit of an actor that wrote a bit, but I've the last sort of two years, maybe, I've been like, actor, writer. Um, hyphenated 
feels quite equal at the minute. Um, yeah. Get that, get that, get that hyphen in there. Yeah. It used to be a slash, but then I thought, no, no, it's actually, to be fair, the only reason I added in a hyphen was because I went to a talk once with Kush Jumbo and she said hyphen. And she was like, we need to embrace hyphenated artists more. We need to be doing all of the things and not be ashamed of that. Don't be put in a box. I mean, that woman could do or say anything and I'd be inspired. So I was like, babes, it's a hyphen now. Inspired you, first of all, to become just an actor before the hyphen. (laughs) Do you know what? It's funny. I think about this so much because I really don't, I want to remember like a moment do you know what I mean? Where I was like, oh, yes, that's it. I'll tread the boards for the rest of my days. And I'm sure there were moments, but I just don't remember a time I didn't want. I don't remember a time I didn't want to be an actor, except for like a bit of year four when I was convinced I was going to be a paramedic. We realised quite soon after it was because I watched a lot of Casualty and clearly just wanted to be in Casualty. And I still do. Other than that, it, it wasn't even just that I wanted to be one. It was just like this. Oh, I'm going to do this. You know, and I was very fortunate that my parents never really questioned it. They were always a bit kind of make sure you've got a bit of academic, you know, do your A-levels um, so that you've got stuff to fall back on. I mean, I did, you know, drama, media and English language. So I'm not sure what I would have fallen back on. <laughs> Probably writing. So there you go. Um, but I think it, um, it, it it just kind of and obviously, you know, you watch certain things as a kid. um, a lot of casualty, as I said. Um, and, you know, you watch, I suppose it would have been like Parkinson and um, Jonathan Ross, and then obviously a lot of Graham Norton. And I suppose you, you hear stories on that, don't you? But that you maybe go, oh my God, yes, I want to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't remember like a, a, a point. Do you? Yeah, I, I do. At... I want a point. Uh, I do, yeah. Well, I'm the same. I think, I, well, no, I wanted to be an animator. Uh, because I was really into Wallace Ooh. and Gromit, and then I decided ah. that would be too difficult, so I'd like to be an actor instead. <laughs> Much more financially viable. <laughs> Good that choice. Was, but that was at that that similar that similar age when you decided that the paramedic profession was no longer something you wanted to partake in. <laughs> what was your first acting performance in the performance arena? Thing, it's a really good point because I actually didn't do that much as a kid you know it's not also like I was you know in I don't know anything goes at the age of nine and was like oh my god this is my calling I didn't I I was really I, I always had nerves so I remember auditioning I mean in quote marks for our year six production sure and I just completely fell apart like I'd learned all the lines and I, I've never said this out loud because I'm still so embarrassed by it because it should have been me. But I didn't even get like, I got, I played a tap dancing lobster and even then missed one of my cues like most nights. So I only went on like three of the four times I was supposed to. Um, but I didn't like, I didn't get any lines because, and I was like, I could, I was expression full. Like, you know, I wasn't, I was a good reader. I learned to read early. Um, so actually, I suppose even like psychologically, storytelling was always quite, you know, books and films were probably always quite an inspiration in terms of that, whether I knew it was happening or not. Um, but I didn't, I just went to this, it was in the music room and I had the, the, the lines in front of me that I'd learnt 
but I just read them really badly like it wasn't even like oh she's not very good at reading but at least she can read and it sounds good it wasn't it was awful so I wasn't I didn't get that I did a, a little bit of I did like it wasn't even really a youth theatre I went to a dance and drama school again quote marks um in a church hall every Saturday and that was fun except that ironically bearing in mind I then you know tread the boards as a tap dancing lobster hated tap as a grown-up really regret it I just it was too fast and I didn't I, I loved dance we did jazz tap and ballet yeah I could never get the steps for tap so I would just get frustrated um ballet was the opposite it was too slow so I'd get bored and then we do jazz and contemporary and I loved that I didn't know really obviously what contemporary dance was when I was that young but I, I was like oh I like this <laughs> kind of make it up um and then, but then for Christmas we would do a play with dance and songs and that was the only time we did like drama and I remember I got cast as Father Christmas like four years in a row and we'd go to um like people's homes and do it in there and I remember them being like oh I like this and then when I was it would have been just as I was finished in primary school my mum and dad kind of gave me the talk and they said, you kind of need to pick one because I think by then they'd realised, oh, she obviously quite likes this acting thing. Like year four would have come and gone by then. So, you know, they're obviously like, you know, she's, it's not paramedicness that is her calling. Um, so they, they kind of said, which one do you want to do? I think, you know, just in terms of focus on one, I think it was partly financial as well. Like just, you know, it, it, if you go to places like, you know, there's certain stage schools where they do all three, and I'd never really implied that I was massively into musical theatre. Um, I hadn't not implied it. I mean, obviously, you know, I'd absolutely love to be in a musical. I shouldn't be, but I'd love to be. Um, but the it was obviously that, you know, the straight acting or, or dance were the things that I'd had the most practice in. So they're like, okay, which one do you want to do? And I said, definitely drama. And then I started a stage school, um, which again was every Saturday. But even that was... I mean, it was proper training, but it was taught by a really classical actor who'd gone to Weber Douglas. Um, And he was so into the training of it and the kind of craft of acting and and didn't really realise how lucky I'd been because it it was so focused on the craft that I got this like amazing actor training as a kid. You know, I'd sort of just turned 11 and... I stayed there till I was, till, till I left, you know, till I sort of left and go and train. Um, the only downside of that is it wasn't even really a downside was we didn't do much performance. You know, it wasn't the, as I got older, we started doing summer schools where there'd be plays, but it, even then they were like abridged versions. So I remember the first like proper play in answer to your question that you asked me about four hours ago. <laughs> I mean, listen, you asked me to come on this. We knew it was going to happen. So you've no one to blame but yourself. (laughs) But the first play was probably, it was Twelfth Night. And I played Viola or Viola, depending on how you say it. Um, And then back to back with Ashley. We know what I mean. Some people like Viola. And I'm like, but but if it's spelt Viola, like, I don't know. I mean, I answered to both, but, um, and then, yeah. And so it was, I was probably about 16 the first time I actually played a character like on, you know, in, in a play. Um, Cause yeah, I certainly wasn't getting very far in the school plays. Although I did eventually in year 11 play Lily and Annie. And that was amazing. First time I had an understudy. 
That's great. An understudy in um, in school. Yeah. yeah, she was a sixth former, but she pulled out because she was like, we probably had a lot better things to do than being understudy to let. I mean, we were on for a week. It was unlikely I was going to be off, wasn't it? So she. That, that is true. That is true. You probably she was were. Like, You're right, love. Yeah. She was probably on the West End. She was like, I don't need this. This is not. Like, I don't. I don't need this. I've, I've got other. I've got other fish to fry. Got and my then, levels. <laughs> after that, you then went to the University of Northampton to train. How did you end up there? Ah. Uh, it's a good question. It's a good question. I'm still not entirely sure I know the bloody answer. Um, yeah. So, okay. Bit of a, here's my sob, this is my X Factor sob story. Um, I, it has a happy ending. I didn't want to go there. I, as I say, I'd wanted to be an actor. I was going to go to RADA. Like, that was my plan. I didn't really see a problem with that. And to be fair, again, nobody else really did either. Like, one was very... Like, okay, try it, you know, and look at other ones. So I auditioned for, you know, not every single place, but, you know, the the kind of the ones you audition for. And obviously I was super fortunate that I was born, bred, based in in, in and around London. So I didn't have to do the, you know, I didn't have to think about the travel costs as much as some people. I think it's only when you kind of actually start going to these auditions, you meet people and you're like, oh my God, like, you know, you spent, you're staying in a hotel for this one audition. Yeah. Um, whereas I was super fortunate. I only did that maybe twice for Bristol and Bournemouth um and I went to all my auditions and I did well and then I tried Northampton and their course looked really amazing um and I was like okay cool I'll you know I'll, I'll go there and, and the course was really amazing and it was a really fatey thing as well because I got there and I remember I was really ill on the day went for lunch sort of had a break and I remember sitting in the canteen and just being like, I, I think I'm going to be sick. I was really ill. And then and the, the head of acting at the time was lovely. She said, listen, if you want to go and maybe just audition another day. But obviously this was out of London. So it, you know, it, it was a more of a faff. So I was like, OK, I'll stay. And I remember on the way home crying and just being like, I, I hate that I liked it so much because I don't want to, you know, and I've probably mucked out now because I've been ill. Da, 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 da. Um, and it was it was a full day audition. And they, at the time, they didn't do cutoffs. So everybody just stayed to the end and then you got your, you know, yes or no. They do now, they're a bit bolder because it was a really new course as well. So when I went, I made up the first four, three years. So there was only, um, yeah, they'd only had like two first years and, and the the third years when I started were only second years at that, that point, there was no third years. And then a couple of months went by, you realise, okay, so this isn't going to happen. That's like, that's okay, cool, cool, cool. And I was very much in the place of like, well, I'm going to do a gap year. I'll, I'll go work and then I'll I'll come back. Loads of my friends were doing foundations. So a lot of my friends weren't even leaving home yet. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just stay, I'll do a gap year. And that wasn't really an option um, with my family. They, you know, best one in the world, they, they weren't trying to be cruel. But obviously I was the kind of guinea pig child, which I kind of said was because obviously, as you know, my sister's an actor as well. And they didn't know what any more about the drama school processes than I had before I then had to, you know, was sort of forced to look into it. And um, it, my dad, I suppose, was just a bit, well, what's the, it says BA acting here. What's the difference between a BA acting there, 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 and there. And I'm not much more articulate nowadays than I was then. So I was a bit like, well, it, it's just better, isn't it? Like, you know, it's just like, so I, I ended up going and 
I absolutely hated it. Like, there was no, you know, I, I realised that, you know, I, I, I really did, because that was a thing, I, obviously I said earlier, I did really like the course, but after everything kind of settled down, I was a bit like, I can't, why would I leave London when I'm already here? Why would I not live at home when I can, you know, stay at, at home? Obviously, Prince, a lot cheaper in Northampton, but not um, it was an expense we could have done without. Um, the, you know, all, all these kind of things. I was like, it's not, I'll, I'll leave it. And I remember being in Mark's, getting my which makes me sound super posh and I was like I was getting on my uh my moving to uni but it was because they did like a back to school range and, oh, yeah. and it was like yeah it was still like it was like cheap MS but I've said I've spot it so listen I've, I've I've got my money's worth out of my pocket uh, yeah you know every... I'm probably gonna get poisoned by it because I've still got it but I mean I started in 2009 I probably should get rid of this bloody thing um but the and I remember yeah my dad's being like which one do you want and me being like neither I don't want to go like why is this happening um and I went and one thing I think one of the best and worst things about me probably leaning towards the worst is I am not very good at admitting defeat and I I kind of forced myself to stay until it got good and I went through a lot of sort of stuff before it did get good um, but then it got really good and it meant that I had my full equity card before I left because they didn't have any rules at the time of about having professional work as long as it didn't affect your studies and as long as it was in holiday time they were like why wouldn't you take on professional work so I had a job at the Royal Durngate between my first and second year um, wow. and was getting paid work like by the time I left just because we'd met people and they were so good and they were really good at you know, and some people kind of, you know, you start these schools and on the open days, they're like, oh, we've got really good relationship with this place. Or we've got a really good connection. You're like, well, what does that mean? Like, how, what's your connection with them? Yeah. Um, you know, we've all got the number for box office. But they but they did like, you know, they they had us in. We did our final shows there in second, third year. Like it was it was great. Um, and then it's obviously just weirdly become this really big part of my life. I go back to North, I go back to Northampton to get my hair done which is why it hasn't been done for so long. Um, and we ended up rehearsing when we died there. Yeah, so you've met, yeah. you've met a, lot of, a lot of people there and a lot yeah. of people you're still working with now. Um, yeah. I wasn't going to suggest talking about when we died yet. We don't have but to. I, let's, let's talk about it now. Let's talk about it now. Gosh, um, how bold. <laughs> we're just going to go. Uh, I don't want to say the question in the same way because I kind of used my little inflection on, on the University of Northampton. But I do have it written. <laughs> I have I have on here Carbon Theatre. How did yeah. that come out? Ah, ah well, 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 well. Settle in. Yeah. So that was really yeah, I mean it, it, the the same inflection would work because it took me back to Northampton. Um I wrote this play called When We Died and kind of put that together and did some stuff, did some scratches. And then I applied for the Bruntwood Award um, and was very, very, very shocked, um, which I was saying a lot, but I actually started penning an email that said, no, no, sorry, I think you've got the wrong person when they sent my, my feedback through <laughs> because I'd missed the announcement of the long list in the September so I didn't know I was on said long list until the November. Um, so it was a really lovely surprise. Like my first um, first thing I pro properly written, sort of just me, um, that wasn't either slightly half, either co-written or made and devised before it was written. Do you know what I mean? Sort of written from 
that experience as opposed to me actually with this I sat down and wrote a play and through Bruntwood they said would you like to be uh, would you be happy for one of the readers to get in touch uh, to talk to you about the play and I said yep sure no problem um I did and that was Andy um and we met at the Welcome Collection and had a coffee in the January this would be like 2018 and even that was just a weird thing. So this is what I mean in terms of like Northampton. When I'd gone in to meet him that day, at this point not realising that Andy's in fact from Northampton, um, there was Danny Parr was sat in the cafe at the Welcome Collection and we both kind of did a double take. And Danny now works at the Almeida. Um, but until say a year before that, she'd worked at the Royal and Derngate and she was the person that first got me in for the, the show that I had done. And then, you know, we kind of kept up that relationship and she was lovely she was great with us you know she was always trying to kind of if anything she was probably more of a driving force than the university was in terms of that connection between students hi how are you yeah yeah great how are you what are you doing here what are you doing here and I said well actually I'm waiting to meet um this playwright well no I was a playwright uh this director and da 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 so we sat and Andy came and we chatted and then I found out he's from um Northampton and he's um a dramaturg as well as a director and a reader for Brumford. So he was like, well, listen, if you, if you don't have a director attached to it, you know, I could maybe, and I was like, well, you know, like if you wanted to, like, I don't want to put that way. If you, you. So we did. And then, you know, we kind of went off like that. And for about a year, it was just the two of us. And we would ping emails back and forward. I would kind of rewrite, he'd give me notes, I'd do a bit blah, blah, blah. and then eventually it kind of came the point he said, I think we need to look at maybe getting a producer if you want to. And we had both done a lot of self-producing in the past and decided we did not want to do that again. Because um, so, <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but especially when we were both, you know, he was dramaturg and director, I was writer and performer. Um, we were like, let's treat ourselves. Um, and he knew Courtney. Um, who I think he'd met through a, a theatre network at, in Northampton where Courtney is, she's not based in Northampton, she's probably slightly nearer Leicester, but she's in and around the area. Um, and she is a producer of Carbon, she is Carbon Theatre. Um, so we all got together and yeah, just kind of kept it going and, and sort of getting when we died out there until we ended up at Vault Festival last year. Yeah, just before lockdown. Just before, before <laughs> everything had to uh, everything yeah. had to end. Can you explain yeah. what "When We Died" is about and what inspired yeah. you to write it? Yeah, <laughs> when I say what it's about, people might be like, "Yeah, what did inspire you? What was going on there?" <laughs> um, I so "When We Died" is about a woman who is uh, an embalmer. That is her job. Um, and she goes into work one day and the person she is meant to be embalming is a man, the man who raped her um, the year previous. So the play is her, it's not necessarily, well, it is her retelling of that event, but it's her coming to terms with it as well and the kind of trauma of it. And you realise how she has absolutely not dealt with that up until this point. Um and it does it in a way that it's really physical, both in terms of movement, but in terms of like the, the kind of description of everything as well. It's very much planted in the, the physicality and the kind of getting your hands dirty of, of the embalming process. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what it's 
think I I just sort of had the idea one day and I know that sounds so annoying and it's not like it came to me in a dream but I think I did just kind of go oh that could be interesting could that even happen um and one thing I I do know that I've kind of realized about myself is I'm, I'm obsessed with and I think it's funny saying the thing obviously about wanting to be a paramedic for like six months in year four I'm obsessed with other people's jobs and I think it's partly because I always knew I was going to be an actor and it's like well that's just what I'm going to do so there's a very small part of me that resents that because I actually wish I'd looked into other things you know maybe ended up in acting but the fact that I've never known what it is to you know I also wonder if I just like we would have done better at school if I'd yeah. gone or oh, maybe I want to do or I want I want the door to be open to be a paramedic so maybe I should listen in maths and science you know rather than going I'm never I'm never gonna need this like you know I was I think I was cocky with it but I was a bit on the days because I wasn't good I wasn't very academic so on the days that I wasn't good it was easy to go oh it's fine I don't need this you know as opposed to you might um and so yeah it just kind of happened and I think part of the inspiration is is the oh what do embalmers do like what's that job like um you know I'm writing something at the minute which has got me looking at journalists journalism degrees I'm not going to do one but I don't know that I'm not going to apply for one I need someone to stop me (laughs) (laughs) I just get obsessed and I've probably looked into how to be a paramedic once as if I can do it for like as if I could do it as like a money job on the side <laughs> like on the I'll just do my little paramedic job yeah on the acting yeah. uh, kind of if it doesn't begin yeah, emailing my agent my availability hi I'm on night shifts this week like yeah. it's not a, a yeah life doesn't work like that so I, but I'm just I'm, I'm obsessed with yeah like other people's jobs and, and and I think the body like that's another thing I didn't realize how much I was into all that and I don't you know I'm not very grossed out by things I find that I watch far too much far too many medical dramas and I I just yeah I love it so I think there's something in that as as well that um and trauma obviously yeah I think I'm quite interested in trauma and what that is it's an amalgamation of all those things swimming in my brain that made me kind of go yeah let's put this together but yeah yeah I was was, going to say because it 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 was a really fascinating and amazing play and I really enjoyed watching it and Thank just you. it was but there was yeah it wasn't just that there was like the kind of the science behind it there was as you say the trauma there was an emotional center and emotional piece to it it wasn't like it was clinical in any way or any mm. sort what are the challenges of performing alone how does that feel oh I don't know why I do it I don't know about you but my stage fright's got worse as I've got older. Yeah. To the point that I think after all this, this all blows over, I'm probably going to have to do something about it. Like, I don't know what that is, whether it's hypnotherapy even. I don't know. I, I think I need to look into it because I just figured it would go away or at least get better as you got older. You'd learn more methods to get over it but I um I also think the last time I did it was obviously when we died at Vaults and obviously even though we were in lockdown yet things were happening there was like a weird we, we were aware that I think we would all have been surprised we were week seven and there was like there was meant to be eight weeks of Vault 
and I think if I think at the beginning of our week we we were we would have been surprised if eight had gone ahead completely you know I, I don't know that we maybe I don't think even then we were thinking it would get completely shut down but we thought I think this is going to end early you know da, da, da. so I often wonder if there was a bit of my brain that was a, that every day I was going in I was like do you know what I reckon the show will get cancelled today so I was calming down going well that's okay last night was a good show da, 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 da. and then maybe it was only hitting me like as I was getting changed that no no you're going on in a minute so whether that was like suddenly like a day's worth of nerves into sort of 20 minutes each night wasn't great for the body, I don't know. But I I did feel particularly nervous with that. And I think it's, I think the main kind of um, thing with it is it, it's whether or not you've written it yourself. I've, I've done things before where I've been the only performer. I've, I've done I've one. Yeah, I think I've done one one person play before where I, I didn't write it. And I do think that was slightly easier um, on the nerves. Maybe. Um, two reasons. I mean, one, it was part of a trilogy. So although I was the first on, there were two other women after me. So we were always in the dressing room together. We were always, we were to, we were the same company. So I would do I would be nervous, but I'd be we would all be nervous but also all calming each other down and, and having that whereas when you are on your own you are completely on your own and if you've written it there's obviously that's in the back of your head as well the space makes a huge difference where we were at vault you can see the whites of everybody's eyes and so you're kind of like <laughs> which is great on days like when you came with you know everybody from from our house it you know you've kind of got the front row it you know you know the people and 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 if you like them that's great you know and you know it, it, it's a friends will whether it's a lie or not will smile and kind of just make you feel like this is okay this is just a night with them but there are some days where you just think why have we done this like no one made me do this this is not <laughs> so I think it it's it it's probably the unpredictability is the biggest fear factor of it because you just don't know how you're going to feel on a day and if you rely on other people's energy to kind of get you up that's not really an option if you're not you know if there is nobody else um but having said all of that I have written another one person show so <laughs> which was 28 28 yeah and it's yeah, yeah. Oh to my go God, to Brighton that. Fringe and then yeah. go to Edinburgh yes but unfortunately, yeah it did not did yeah not. so that's mm. already that's all ready to go though is that show ready yeah i mean one of the very few good things to come out of that was is that we actually kind of we wrote it but we developed it low actually the play's way better now than it would have been and i think realistically the turnaround between when we died finishing at vaults after such a long prep and rehearsal time with this it I don't know that it would have been the play I wanted it to be um whereas at least if now we get to do it this year next year if people hate it I'll be gutted like it's not even worth thinking about but I feel like I'll know this is the play I wanted to write and that's got to be important um so yeah it's one of those horrible things where you feel like a complete shitbag for saying it but it is a kind of silver lining of everything because yeah we've 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 got it and it's um yeah I mean it's double the length of when we died <laughs> okay 
is there with, so there, is there going to be an interval or are you going to be no so I don't think so because when we died weirdly because there's so much movement and kind of moments of silence that we totally leaned into him when we died it's actually only a 15 page script it was longer and then we got it right down whereas 28 um so he's obviously double only she says in quotation marks third no it's not it's 28 pages the last the most recent draft is 28 pages which is just so satisfying yeah. um so hopefully it will stay at that um but yeah it, 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 it i think it will still be i think it will still be less than two hours like i don't think it's going to need an interval um and it's quite a it's quite a choppy um it's really hard to kind of say what it's about without i mean i'm have to try um but you don't have to um, if you if you want to i mean i'll have to at one point but don't yeah i'm not like it's it's yeah i mean it's just one of those ones that i think the the structure of it's so integral to what the story is um but yeah i mean in terms of like copy and stuff i mean that's again this is why producers are so amazing because actually i don't really have to think about copy but um it or certainly if i do a producer will go or you could write this and you go, that's better. That sounds like a good play. I'd want to see that play, not the one I wrote about. Um, but yeah, so it I, 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 it might be too broken up by an interval. But yeah, because you don't, yeah, you don't kind of want that sort of, that, not lull, but that moment of people going out and, you know, having a drink and yeah. then coming back. Yeah. You kind of just want to keep them there and grasp yeah. them and hold on to them while they're there. Totally. So there's you... also an element of there's a bit of a twist. Oh, I don't know how big a twist it is, but because obviously now we're so close to it, but at the, an interval allows people to be like, oh, I bet it's this, you know, and, and actually I hope that, yeah, they'll find out on the way. Yeah, because otherwise there's no there's no opportunity to talk to someone and air your yeah. views about this twist. You yeah. Can just, you just have to keep it in to yourself. And then by the time yes. it happens at the end, you go, I knew that was going to happen. Not... People yeah. will go, no, <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. That's... You can say that now, but but you didn't. But you create a lot of your own work. And did that come from when you trained at Central School of Speech and Drama and did the MA Advanced Theatre Practice course? Do you know what? It's a very good question. Honestly, it's like therapy for me. Edit as much or as little of this as you want. Um, I would say it put me off. Oh. Yeah. In terms of devising, so after Northampton, which wasn't accredited at the time, I was like, well, I'm going to have to get a name. Like, I'm going to have to have a name on my CV. And then did this master's at Central because part of the kind of time between graduating and going to Central, I'd started to make my own work. But actually, and again, it's like one of those things I I was probably just a bit cocky. I didn't realise till I was there is that, oh no, I was taught this before. Like, this is what, you know, they told me to do when I was at Northampton. Like our first day, Sally, our head of acting said, what are you all going to do when you're out of work? I'm not making that sound like it was very, you know, Viola Davis at the front of her class in How to Get Away with Murder and this really grand. I think it was probably like six weeks into the term we were sat in a circle, sweaty. Um, But she said, what are you all going to do when you're out of work? And obviously people are like, oh, I'll work in a bar. Somebody else was like, well, I my." dad owns a building company I'll work there and someone and she's like okay stop um you're going to make your own work 
was the answer I was looking for. I'm like, oh my gosh, pray tell, how do we do this? Um, and so when we left, I was actually already doing that. Like I'd um, co-written this piece as our kind of final project. Like we didn't have to do um, dissertations, obviously, um, but we had, um, our, we, you know, we had to make our final piece and get it out in the world. And, and, and the group I was with, we actually ended up touring it for a wee bit. Okay. And I was working on a box office in Edinburgh, had been for about four years. So we got this ridiculous deal to do Edinburgh for two weeks with it, which I, mean, I was so naive. I was like, my God, it's not so bad. Like, you know, we all want to make profit. And it's like, yes, because we were told by the venue to keep it because it was so pathetic. <laughs> um, so we, <laughs> it's like pat on the head, like go and buy yourself a bag of chips. Like, so it, you know, we, we kind of did all this. So actually I'd done quite a bit of, written stuff I'd done quite a lot of like devised and makey stuff and as I realized I was like okay I think this is not necessarily what I want to do instead but I just want to add theatre maker to the you know I wasn't really writing at this point as I said I'd co-written I'd done a few bits but it was very much like oh I know how to make theatre but didn't feel like I had any kind of ownership over that you know if somebody had said to me with that like oh did you go to Goldsmiths or did you go to like Holloway Royal Holloway like the places that you kind of think of as having good making courses or even you know central like their cdt ba yeah um you know i think i could have been like okay that's what i do i'm a theater maker but i didn't so i was like okay well i'll do this ma rather than and i always knew i wasn't going to do like a straight acting ma because i knew i had had actor training whereas this one was was a little bit more experimental it was a bit more like you know there were three kind of strands you know do what you want da, da, da. um but it was also um you know it was, it was it was, I mean, it was a lot cheaper, but it, but, you know, it, it, it was, it was a year. It, it was, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do it. And I, and it was, and I hadn't ever been to Central. I didn't, weirdly, I didn't audition for my BA at Central just because I'd heard how scary the auditions were. Um, I'm pathetic. Um, so I went. I was like, oh my god, it's great, it's amazing. Da, da, da. And then it was a wee bit like the Northampton thing. Actually, I was like, this is great. This was worth it. And it was. The whole third term was worth it because I was kind of left to my own devices um, and made my show that I make and that I do with my sister. Um, but I took the performance strand thinking, well, that's what I do. I'm an actor. But it really meant I just wasted my time because I was, I'd was i done this. Do you know what I mean? We were doing yeah. things. And it, was great, and it was great to brush up. And the teaching is incredible. So it wasn't wasn't a waste of time at all but it made me think I've not I've not put in as much to this as I could have done you know what I should have done was be brave and do a strand that was completely different um you know and then done a bit and then kind of gone in. um but I didn't I kind of you know stuck to what I knew and then in the afternoons we'd have these sessions with visiting artists and they were makers but they were full-on like makers very experimental Okay. Um, and a lot of it I thought was amazing maybe not for me but I was like this is really fascinating but not necessarily my bag but I think maybe there's a reason I didn't go for the other strands you know I, I, I if anything it made me kind of go no I'm an actor and I'm a writer and it kind of made me embrace the control freak in me a little bit um, I love working with other people like, I absolutely do. I love rehearsals. I think the best bit of any job is rehearsals. But devising is a very big, different beast. And I think I kind of, I don't really love this as much as I thought I'd do. I'd, I would. Um, 
and that I had been. But yeah, so it, it kind of put me off making my own work as opposed to, yeah, writing it. Okay. Yeah, that, that... which is just a very yeah expensive yeah, makes... realization to come to. <laughs> but I suppose I suppose you kind of need that, don't you, to sort of those things. If you don't try, then you will never know. Yeah, and yeah, and it and again, as I say, like it, that last term was. I was talking to a friend actually that did that I met on the course, and I said there were, it was worth it for what I included. You know, I've made some really great friends off it. Um, but I also, yeah, had the time and space to experiment and to make the show. I mean, you know, it was very much kind of, we had this thing, I can't remember what it stood for, but it was your SIP. It was like your final project. And they encourage you, you know, work together. If if you make, this is your chance to make mistakes. And I think what having worked for three years before starting the MA had done for me was like, this is, I don't think this is a chance for me to experiment and make mistakes. I've had my time. I don't think I sh- I should. I don't think I'm, I'm deserved of that luxury anymore. Like you know, pull your finger out, make something that you want to do something with. <laughs> you know, you've you've had your three years. You've 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 farted around on stage and done your you know your BA where you're you know you're kind of you know ripped apart and built back up and you're told how brilliant you are. Told your type, you know, and, and and all of this and and then you've worked and you've actually seen what it's like. And a lot of people were like that, but there were a lot of people in the MA who had come straight from uni. You know, they, this was like their fourth year of uni, essentially. Um, and I and I knew that, I, yeah, I didn't think the most valuable thing for me to do would be to just kind of experiment and make mistakes. And obviously, yes, you make mistakes in the making. It was that safe environment of doing it. But I yeah. knew I was making something that I wanted to do something with, not just as a learning experience. No, that makes um, sense. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of experiment that I suppose, yeah, the making mistakes because you will make mistakes. You're in a creative environment, yeah, yeah, but you're yeah, not sort of course. going in there to just kind of throw stuff against the wall and just be like, if it doesn't stick, so what? Who cares? Yeah. I'm, I'm experimenting. Yeah. And yeah. So you mentioned uh, the show that you made with your sister, Three Years, yeah. One Week and a Lemon Drizzle. Did that nice. come from Central then? You decided to start yeah. working on it so, there. Yeah. I'd had the idea. I'd started making a one-person show because I'm obsessed. Um, I'd started writing a one-person piece that was a monologue that I'd kind of make a bit longer. And and this was in the the years between Northampton and Central. But I I kind of, really, the reason I sort of stopped was I couldn't really work out why I didn't, why it wasn't, why I couldn't make it any better. It was was fine. Everyone was always like, yeah, this is nice. This is good. But it was never like, you know, I, I never felt like this is groundbreaking, which I think is a good thing, because if you start thinking about that, that about your own work, you're a bit of a tosser. But I do think, you know, I was I was young, but there was definitely a thing of like, oh, my God, I'm making something about eating disorders, which I should probably have yeah, said um, as a sort of yeah, tr- trigger warning, if nothing else. But the it, it was a thing, you know, it was very much a, a one person piece about eating disorders. And I thought I was saving theatre with this thing. I wasn't really um but I was talking to my sister one day and we started talking about this this thing of like you know what it was like for her when I was ill with spoiler alert eating disorder and it I was like well, actually that's a more interesting show and certainly at the time I didn't have the an idea of many same family shows but you know members of the same family let alone sisters so I was like, okay, I think I want to make that. I think I want to make that. And it was always in my back pocket. And I went to Central and had this chance to kind of do it. And you're 
you're given a budget um which is i mean it's your money obviously i think it, you know comes out of the fees from the school which i mean there's a bit of that is they make you do a, a pitch for it so you kind of go like you know you're going with your spreadsheet you know and you kind of go hang on I'm pretty sure but it's fine but you know it, it does you know make sense you obviously just got to pay the school they're not like holding it for you wait, wait, waiting to give it back but it you, you say what you need the money for and, and I did that and I and I got it and obviously you have the space and when you're working on your own a lot of the time people talk about being in a room on your own which is is absolutely true I actually don't mind that so much, but I think what made a huge impact was I had the opportunity to work in a in a studio on my own, where I could tart around, run around, do pieces, say speeches out loud, talk out loud while I was doing it, and not feel self conscious, but also not be you know in the same place. I was living in, in, in my first uh, flat with my boyfriend at the time, and it was literally the the I mean it was it was a bedsit, you know. And we live in a studio now, and we're like this is a bloody palace, like you know we it was everything was in the same room we had we didn't have a chair we couldn't fit one in so just my back like the impact on that that you know if, if I would if I'd been in there writing all day whereas not suddenly I had this space this time and it, it it comes back to what I was saying earlier I think being knowing that I'm never going to have this again if I make this show when I if I wait till I graduate it'll be easy to give up if nothing else there'll be no deadlines um but also just that yeah knowing that I'd be going back to our tiny tiny flat trying to to write it getting distracted you know and, and not being able to have the space to accommodate my sister coming over um as easily whereas at the time she was still training so she would get the tube over in evenings and we'd rehearse having like we never had a, a sort of set director but then on the other hand we kind of had 10 because every couple of days we'd have these sharings and you'd have 10 people giving their feedback which obviously has problems but also great yeah yeah what was that like because it was so autobiographical to have 10 people kind of watching and i i don't and um dissecting it probably better word than tearing Mm. it apart (laughs) that's kind of in my mind i'm like you're kind of bringing this really raw kind of stuff out and then people are going uh I don't know. You're like, it's not. This is me. This is my life. This is what. What was that like? We did get told once, um, not by someone at Central, but we did get told once that it wasn't gory enough. I remember just being like, I don't know what to do with that. Um, But okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, they were lovely people. They still are lovely people. I think. I actually think what was maybe worse was the people that you know we were expected to go to these sharings i think it was like there was official sharings like once a week, maybe every friday where everybody would show something back um but then you'd throughout the week you, you know so you can invite people in i actually and i don't think i was alone in this felt more paranoid or offended by people that didn't bother going to other people's sharings they'd take your feedback when they were doing theirs and be like, yeah, okay, great. Sure, sure, sure. Listen to it. Don't listen to it, whatever. But then just not turning up to other people's as if they were that important. To me, that was more, you know, because actually when they did, t- you know, say you had the same 10, 15 people every day watching, and but then suddenly, you know, Jock does come in and hasn't seen the last six weeks and then they start commenting that's hard because you don't want to be the defensive person and just be like well actually if you'd been here last week you'd have seen that I do address that you know because that's weird and annoying but on the other hand you're a bit like stay in your lane if you don't know what 
I'm talking, do, do you see what I mean? I yeah. think it was probably more that when, when the one person would kind of decide to turn up after not having seen anybody else's work for three weeks, which did happen. And I think it's just a really bizarre thing on a course that was, you know, very collaborative or certainly, you know, meant to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it's always a thing you just got to be aware of anyway, you know, you sort of decide to tell that story. Um, was it hard, yeah. was it hard to, to tell the story? Like when you were doing like, as, because you first performed at the Tell It Festival in 2016? Yeah, so yeah, so 2000, so, so, I mean, yeah, that was very, our first official one. Yeah, that probably would have been the first one that was to a lot of unknown people as well. We did the first like share, like a sort of run through of the, the first draft of the show, if you like, in July at the Regent's Park Theatre, not the open air one. I've just realised that made me sound incredible. Yeah, definitely not that one. Um, my um, my dad works at the uni there um, and they have this incredible theatre space. It's incredible. Um, but he had this space and it was, no one was using it that night. So we're like, okay, cool. So we got it. And it was amazing. Like it was this sort of just this best night where it was like completely full. It was, it was a thing of everybody that was that was there that you know we we knew and some had seen some before because they'd been um they'd you know been at central um and some were family friends who'd, who'd know so that was i think at the time i kind of thought this would have been the heart that would have been the hardest time i'd ever done it because i knew everybody and there were school friends there as well and they knew me i mean it happened i was quite a rare case and i i mean looking back it's all it's quite clear to us now that there was always a problem but in terms of like actual illness, sort of full on diagnosed, need to do something about this. I was in treatment, blah, 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 blah. I was 19, which is, is statistically really late. Um, you know, it's really, really sadly one of those things that, I mean, kids are being diagnosed with like six and eight year olds. It's horrendous. It's a shit bag of an illness. Um, and so my school friends weren't seeing me because I was away in Northampton. Course, so, yeah. it, you know, it, 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 they, they knew of it and, you know, they'd see me on and off at holidays, but that was the first time some of them had known anything about it at all, which I, you know, I mean, this was 2016, people were talking about things like trigger warnings and I was putting things on the post, you know, this involved this or this is about this, but I still don't think that conversation was really there about like having to, to be really bold with what you're about to put on stage and having, you know, I probably should have taken a bit more care of the audience, which is absolutely, if nothing else, the thing I've learned most about that show, I should have taken care of myself included, like so much more. And it's, yeah, I'm such a, such an advocate of safeguarding now and like well-being and care. And actually, if you aren't ready, if you're, if you can't get through a run or a performance or a rehearsal period talking about something that's super autobiographical without even slightly slipping into a dangerous dark place without having the right support networks whatever format that might take don't do it write that show another day write that I said in a thing I did a um a workshop like a, like a seminar about it comparing that show to, to we died um and I was saying you know write the show but put it in a drawer and wait until you're ready to do it I think it's um yeah it, it was tough at times but I think it was probably tougher for other people seeing it for the first time who knew me and my sister 
because obviously I've been rehearsing it for like three weeks before we did it, you know, and, and you still prep it. But yeah, yeah. Chops and changes. Depends yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could imagine. Yeah. I could imagine that would be, yeah, that would sort of <laughs> yeah. be the case. And then you went yeah. to Edinburgh in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so not like not to linger on that side of it, but like that was a, a point where it was really tough and where we just noticed because we were self-producing as well. Yeah. So knowing that like that was when I just thought, oh my God, like looking back now, if, if, if a younger friend or, or something was, was talking about taking a show like that without a producer, I mean, I just, I would say don't do it, like get a producer, like, do, you know, do have somebody, something. Um, it was just dangerous, you know, you're in a place where everyone is so vulnerable. Like, you know, people are so, Edinburgh is the best thing in the world and I am, absolutely heartbroken it, it got stopped last year um yes because of obviously I was meant to take a play but also um it would have been my 10th year in a row uh I started working there on box office in 2010 and I'd gone back in some capacity so my sister and I were half Scottish my dad's Scottish so we know Scotland and Edinburgh well like outside of fringe as well and it is just the best thing in the world um and it was great like the good days were yeah like we took our show to well um also my sister like who I quite like it um yeah it was great it's weird though isn't it have you have you done have you done Edinburgh no I've never I've only been uh we did Pink Miss there in February 2017 I believe but that's the only time that's the only time and I was very fortunate being in a theatre so I didn't have to fly out or do anything (laughs) (laughs) I was just like I was like this is an amazing city I love this place but I don't know. I don't know what it's like, and that's what I kind of want to talk about. What was? Yeah. What's it like putting on a show there? What's? It's it's funny. I feel like every everything we've said, like there's always like a weird caveat. There's always something that I'm like, oh, it was great, but remember this happened. So with Edinburgh, when we took Lemon Drizzle, we were very fortunate because we knew we weren't going to be able to do it until at least 2018. So when we first made Lemon Drizzle, it was, yeah, 16, because obviously it's central. Um, and we, um, Kate was in first year at Italia Conti doing her BA. So after we did that July performance, July 2016, we then knew, unless one-off performances that weren't going to muck up her studies came up either at a quiet time or during the holidays, we weren't going to be able to do anything sort of a significant run with it until um at least 2018 when she graduated um because even 2017 she was in edinburgh anyway with italia conti they take which i think is an amazing thing they take stuff to they, they kind of fundraise and take shows to edinburgh which again is just one of those really shitty things that like you know the second years this year won't have got yeah. the chance to do you know it's little things like that that you know you kind of go oh god you every now and again you're like oh my god of course they would have you know um but the so because of that we had a lot of time to save so we were able to self-fund a lot of it we did have to do you know a few crowdfunders near the end and and it, and it was a bit you know t- you know touch and go at, at times and when we were there we certainly weren't you know live, we were living off a lot of leftover lemon drizzle to be honest but it it was really um we were just so fortunate because I don't know how people I don't know how people do it you know and people kind of decide oh I'm gonna do Edinburgh like 
yeah in october um and i get it it's just another sort of brilliant thing about producers um i've got a point of like you know they worry about the money but also just the thing of you know they understand they, they will give you a date whereas i think if i hadn't you know they'll say no we can't do it we can't afford it but we're going to do this instead we're going to do that instead of we're going to partner with this person and make it happen Whereas I don't know what we'd have done because I know what I like. And I think I mentioned it earlier, I'm a bit of a control freak. I think I would have tried to find a way, you know, square peg, round hole to get us up there sooner if we could have. Um, and you hear horror stories about people borrowing money from yeah. certain things. And, and you know, and, and I just think we were very lucky. It was still very, you know, it was, it was a thing. But but I do think that's an important thing to, to note because obviously I say we self-produced, so I was also looking at the money all the time I was our idiot agreed to having the reviewers sent through every morning so every single day I knew if we had reviewers in and who they were and if they were of note I would potentially know what they looked like so if they weren't there I'd think my god they didn't come if they were there I'd think oh my god they came why are they sat there like you know all this kind of thing whereas um uh, you know I, I, little things like that so it was it was tough and I you know I was lucky I had done it before as I said earlier we got a really good deal when I was working at, at the fringe um in 2013 um which was hard for other reasons I was working a job so I wasn't really getting to like do fringe life I was doing the show having to go back to work and then you know I'm still drinking don't worry um but it was but yeah just not till a bit later um but it's great like I, I really I I think if I'd not gone back as a punter the year after we did Lemon Drizzle, I don't know that I'd have ever gone back. <laughs> I think I needed to rip the plaster off because it was a bit harrowing. You know, it was, there were problems, you know, it, 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 it things like, you know, venues promise certain things that don't necessarily hold up, but I don't, yeah, I mean, that, it's incredible how things, I mean, the most ridiculous thing about that is, is I remember, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how people say you never know what an opportunity is going to lead to. Yeah. We, when we got back, um, my equity branch, which I'm quite involved with, had a, um, which was a complete humble brag that has nothing to do with the story. Um, but <laughs> it doesn't matter how involved I am or not. Um, but <laughs> just want you all to know that I'm such an activist and really about the industry, guys. Um, what's left of it um but I went to um a an, an audition day that they that they organize um and I it was with Jessica Lazar the director and I went in to meet her and she was completely brilliant completely lovely um and the first thing she said when I went in the room was I'm sorry I didn't get to see your play in Edinburgh and I sort of nearly wept but also kind of did a weird laugh and I said oh because obviously I was thinking I was like I didn't how do you know about it? Like, blah, blah, blah. and it turned out she'd had some friends who had had seen it and had said nice things about it. And bizarrely, um, Kate had also got a place in this audition day. And Aviana, the woman who was organising it, had kindly said, "Well, listen, I'll put you and Kate next to each other, so you can, you know, do whatever you want to do. You know, you can go for a coffee afterwards or whatever." Um, so I said, "Oh, well, you'll see Kate in a minute. My sister, who was also in it." And I remember just leaving, going, "Oh my gosh, she's so nice, like brilliant, but had also." done a you know she had no there was obligation to like research who was coming into audition for her like that was our job you know but she knew who everybody was and it was just lovely and then skip forward to 2019 28 is obviously you know 
starting to be in production yeah and um and the producer said who who are you thinking of directing and I said well I think it needs to be a woman and we kind of banded a few names around and and yeah one of the producers was like oh I know Jessica Lazar yeah hang on we, we can I'll, I'll send an email and um yeah she's directing 28 so amazing which is amazing it's so that's exciting great. yeah yeah that's, that's... yeah yeah and coming Incredible. from there as well yeah. and one yeah. yeah, it's an amazing opportunity yeah. and yeah it's just really cool. yeah it's it's so great and she's, oh, she's brilliant her brain is just, oh, just and lovely you know and, and I think just that thing of you don't know you know but had we not done Edinburgh had the audition day been there but you know she just didn't have anything to say about me because I hadn't done you know she looked at my CV and gone you've not done very much you know but because she was able to say that you know me going oh, so nice of her to remember like you know I, I just think it's it is incredible I and mean, I'm a bit sort of it's like I was saying earlier about um well Northampton I really am obsessed um but just that I'm quite a believer in fate and I think yeah it's funny how these things kind of well even you because I mean we've this you know I was so I was at Central my friend was like oh there's this play at the bush called um Pink Mist you should go see it and um yeah and I did I was like this is the best thing I've ever seen and then saw you at the old Vic that time when I was with my friend Sam who was working there yeah Sam um, Hopkins and I was like oh my god oh my god is that the guy that was in he was like oh yeah yeah I think so I was like okay cool and then yeah skip forward to 2001 did we do Elm House 17? Gonna move on to that yeah then we met <gasps> at Battersea oh, Arts Centre nice and I was going to talk about how your relationship with the BAC started with The Good Neighbour in 2012 yeah. when you met Sarah Golding let's talk about that woman oh my god anything that woman I mean she yeah she so I, the funny thing, I remember that. I remember between the audition and starting the job, I remember, I'd never forget the day she was walking behind me with Sophie Brady, who now isn't at BAC anymore because she lives in Scarborough, I think. But she's working really closely with our friend Anna, who was also yeah. in our house, who was on the podcast. Look at us, we're one big happy family. Yeah. Um, and they were behind us. And I remember um, Sarah saying, you know, ever since we met you, when we've been talking logistics, I keep calling you little Alex but you're bloody huge. And I was like, <laughs> because obviously, I, 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 you know, I, I think I was wearing like dungarees to the audition and I'm obviously, you know, like six foot tall. So it was, you know, it, it, I'm, little is not a word I get described as, but uh, with, but it was just, um, it was great. I, I mean, that was another thing. I changed my flight to Edinburgh because I was meant to work. Um, so I'd been doing the box office for two years. It was my third year. And um, I was meant to go on the 26th, but I called and changed the flight because um, I didn't, that's a lie. My dad called for me because I was pathetic and still a child and um, had it um, changed so I could go to the audition. And it was such a weird thing. Like the audition I'd seen on Casting Call Pro as it was at the time, the call out was there, but you couldn't apply there. You had to still email this email at this address. And I'd called, I said, hi, I'm really sorry. I've just seen this thing, but there's no deadline. And he was like, oh, it's today at 11 a.m. And this was 9 a.m. on a Sunday, say. And um, and he had to film a, f a little film. And and this was, I mean, this was 2012. So camera phones weren't, they existed. Like, you know, they weren't great. And WeTransfer wasn't a thing. Like, I still don't really know how I managed to do it. I think I had to upload it to YouTube. Um, but yeah, like, I, I did think, got it in had the audition um, and uh, yeah, flew to Edinburgh on like the Monday. And um, 
on the Friday, I, I, I got the call to say I had it. And, um, and even that was weird. Because I walked back into box office and was like, oh my God, guys, that job I said I auditioned for and I had to change my flight for, I got it. Everyone's like, oh, I'm so happy, 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 lovely. Sit down, get on with the day. About an hour later, this woman walks in and we look at each other and we're like, I know you. She's like, I know you. And I'm like, oh my God, BAC last week. When I'd auditioned, there was um, lots of BAC staff around and they were lovely. They kind of would sit in on the auditions to keep us all company. And, and you know, the kind of the group size got a wee bit smaller throughout the day. And the very end of the day was one-on-one interviews. And um, and I was last. I was, I was if not last, um, I was certainly one of them. And um, so I was just sat on the floor talking to Katie for, for a while. And um, we were just, I don't know, it's fine. Lovely person, did my interview. My, yeah, in, at the end of the audition, went home, packed for Edinburgh. Um, and a week later, she's walking in and she said, oh my God, PAC. And I said, yeah, I said, oh, I've, I've just got the job. Like they've just phoned me. And she said, oh my God, amazing. Well, well done, well done. And it turns out she was friends at the time with the lighting technician for the venue I was working in, in Edinburgh, now husband. That so there amazing. you go. That... I don't know if that answers your question, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, it's amazing. I just, because I saw it, I saw the whole thing happening and I was like, also, because, I don't know, because there was a flight and everything, it made it sound like a whole other world. So I was like, this woman's come out of, out of nowhere. And She's, it was... Yeah. Did she get off the plane? Did she get off the plane? Like, it's like, I had a, there was a lot of finale vibes to that, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, she went to BAC. That was, that was, but that was my, my, my leg in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they never really got rid of me. And then in true older sibling, younger sibling form, Kate's now super ingrained in the building as well, um, because she's in Beatbox Academy. The year we did Elm House was a huge year, wasn't it? Because Sarah and David Jubb left. Yeah, and there was like the announcement. And there was like the, Mm. oh, it was when we did the R&D and the announcement was just about to come through that they were leaving. Of course, because that was sort of summer, wasn't it? We did, I think, I did one like June, July. I then think... you were, because that was it, we met the R&D, didn't we, before? Yeah, because... Yeah. I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what happened, but I got a call from Ralph the day before, being like, can you come yeah. in tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday to do an R&D? Yeah. And I'd got the yeah. job the Monday before, and that then went in, did the R&D. We talked yeah. about Dens, we talked about various different things. I went to watch Bryony Kimming's show, I'm a Phoenix bitch. Yes. You and Shevin were working on like yeah, various yeah. different bits. And I was like, this is an incredible jo- uh, journey. This is yeah. an incredible journey <laughs> and building. But it, it, that's what BAC is though, isn't it? It's not, it is a journey. And, and there's so many bloody doors that just going to the loo can be a journey. But I know what you mean. Yeah, metaphorically yeah, as well. Like, and that's where, so that's where we met. And that's where yeah. we met. You're being very everyone. kind. I accosted you. There's a story that I don't know if you love this or whether you just get scared by it. But yeah, I, I when I first saw Alex and realised, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And Ralph introduced us. Do you remember that? When Ralph introduced us and said, this is Alex, this is Alex. And I went, Stedman. And you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, obviously like, oh, how kind. But also like, why is she so aggressive? And I was like, you're in pink mist. And it was more, I think, it was the fact that like a good sort of 30 seconds passed and I still sort of had your arm in my hands. And I was like, really sorry. <laughs> I do remember. But yeah, just to reiterate, 
Best thing I ever saw. Bloody loved it. But oh, yeah, thank you. weirdly, the person who told me at the time, I think I've told you this before, who was like, oh, there's this play at the bush that's good. It's called Pink Mist. Like four years later, I said, oh, did you ever see Pink Mist? Because, well, it would have been when we were working together. I was like, oh, you know, I'm working with this guy. And I said, no, I never went in the end. I was like, right, okay. So I never had like, very <laughs> one to talk to her about it, except the person that was in it. I'm probably going to stop talking. No, it's fine. It's, uh, I don't mind. It's okay. How have you found okay. writing and making your own work in lockdown? Um, I haven't. It's, uh, it's obviously really hard. And I think the biggest thing, and it took me a while to realise, was... I'm not seeing it. I'm not being inspired by anything. Do you know what I mean? You're not seeing people. You're not going outside. You're not people watching as much. Um, I do. I do love it though. Like I am very, very lucky that I think probably partly the way I got into it because I didn't have any like formal training in, in writing, you know, it, that, that there is still that kind of, the novelty hasn't quite worn off. Um, but having said that, I'm definitely doing less. Like, you know, there's my, oh, my, like, uh, focus is just, I mean, it's better now. The first lockdown, it was just, I was having to, I was doing bursts. I was setting timers and getting up early and doing an hour and just saying, you know, if that's all you do today, you've done it. And and it actually worked. I think I ended up getting more done because if you sit in front of your computer at like nine to five, there's so much you can procrastinate on with and do that you you still only end up writing maybe like half an hour's worth of stuff or sitting down phone off but timer on or whatever it was it was helping and and I think you know things are starting to come back like it does feel a bit like I'm kind of okay I'm having ideas I'm gonna okay well let me look at that thing I'm opening other things back and and sort of editing um and I'm using it for passion projects I'd say that's a big thing because obviously there's less you know, like I've I've started writing a, 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 a do I want to say it? yeah I've started writing a pilot, but it's very early days. Like I'm still kind of going to do it, and then ed- editing the treatment because I'm scared. Um, but oh, I've never amazing. done that. Like I've never. I mean, I think this is it though. Like it might be, but it might not be, and that's completely fine too because I'm not at the minute there's nothing on it like I'd love it to be made obviously I mean I've definitely done the thing where I, the character I want to play I've made her like five years older than me because I'm trying to be realistic about when it would get commissioned <laughs> like, if I can make her my age I'll be too old um but I you know it's nice to be like not accountable to it like not you know I'm not answering to anybody um I'm doing a lot of handwriting. my laptop's broken and it's off for repairs I'm currently using my boyfriend's um I say it's off for repairs. I think it's been nicked, but that's another boring story for another time. <laughs> but I think um, having, not having, because this is a, you know, it's 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 great, but it, it you know, it's a bit older. And so it, it it's a bit slow. Sometimes I'm kind of going, do you know what? I'm, I'm like handwriting ideas for like blogs and things that nothing might ever happen with. Um, but there is something about the kind of handwriting aspect of stuff that I do find like your brain kind of locks in quicker. Um, I think it's just about it's with everything, isn't it? Just try not to beat yourself up if you don't write a novel in a week. When you it's know. not lockdown, you're 
you'd beat yourself up if you're not writing a novel a week. Oh, but... yeah, definitely outside of lockdown. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, once lockdown's not working hard enough, <laughs> it should be novels every single week. And when we weren't in lockdown, we could have had five <laughs> or six or seven. Yeah. But... What was the excuse then? No, no but... excuse. But yeah. yeah, of course, it's. I think it's just. But then I think, and I'm not the first person to say this, but I think that is just a thing about going forward, isn't it? We just have to, I think, not let these things get forgotten. The fact that the way we were all overworked and burning out by the age of 30, you know, was never a good thing. And I I fear we will go straight back to that, if not more, because people will be making up for lost time. Um, And I just wonder how we prevent that, but still make good work and a lot of it. Um, I think we'll be all right. I think we will be. It's it's been amazing talking to you, Alex. It's been really good. And you, a lot. Sorry. I know I talk a lot. I did as much of it. (laughs) But no, I've loved it. Thank you. This is like a career highlight. I've always been like, I'd like to be. That's, yeah, that's where you know you made it when you're on a podcast. Yeah. And here you are. (laughs) I give up now. Done. You made it. Well, go and be a paramedic. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. Well, there's only one thing left to say, and that's. Bye, Claire. Bye, Claire. Bye, Claire. Bye, Claire.